Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Blue View podcast. It's been a bit of a, a manic sort of manic sort of situation lately. Obviously, we've had a, a few bad results and stuff, and you know we had a good result last game, but yeah, it's been a bit of a, a funny situation at Chelsea. So we thought we'd get on a, a returning guest. Um, he's from the Athletic, Liam Toomey. Do you want to introduce yourself? Very excited to have you on again. Oh, good to be back. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's been, not been the quietest start to the new year for, on the Chelsea beat. Yeah, it's, um, it's been very interesting of late. Obviously, we've had lots of rumours about Lampard and, and, you know, lots of different things about um, on and off the pitch, really. His position, we've, you know, heard that maybe he could be going, maybe he will stay, maybe, you know, Abramovich will give him more time. Um, we've heard things, you know, on the pitch as well, some... Um, interesting situations where about formations and different things like that lots of debate going on so um yeah really guys we're just going to answer your questions that you sent in today um to liam and um get his answers and then you know um yeah just sort of have a little little discussion basically so let's get into this then so liam the first question um is about avram grant now i'm not sure if you've seen um sky sports news have been reporting tonight that basically he could be coming back as, as sort of like a, a backroom staff um, help for Frank Lampard. Do you, do you know if this is sort of, if is there any truth in this or, or is it sort of a, a just a rumour at this moment in time? Uh, I can't say I've, I've looked into this as of yet. Um, so I, I, I can't say for certain whether, it, whether it's true or not. What we do know is that the people that Abramovich leans on for advice in football matters the people that get into his inner circle tend to stay there for a long period of time, um, regardless of whether they've got an official title at Chelsea. So in between Gus Hiddink's two caretaker spells, um, you know, he was someone that was regularly consulted on, on different things. And, uh, and, and you had the old um, Dutch scout, Peter Visser as well, who, who, who's a, a key advisor Rich. There are a handful of others, of course, and Avram Grant has, has been in that circle for a long time. So I, I don't know whether it would be in any official role. Um, I can't see him coming back as, as a, some sort of technical director or director of football purely because I don't think, I don't get any impression that Chelsea are going to hire anyone for that sort of position anytime soon. I mean, they appointed Petr Cech as technical and performance advisor with a view to him maybe growing into that role in the long term. Um, so if Grant is going to be uh, sort of advising Abramovich, it would probably be in a, in a less formal capacity because, I mean, to be honest, it would surprise me if that wasn't already happening because Grant is someone that Abramovich has known and trusted for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting as well. One thing I was going to ask you, your personal opinion about is that you know, people have been suggesting like Avram Grant could maybe sort of come back and help Lampard. But then, you know, if things go like really bad, do you think that there's a possibility at all that maybe Avram Grant could become like an interim again? Because, you know, we saw when Mourinho got sacked or well, left got way back in the day, um, Avram Grant didn't take over as manager at the start, but then he did eventually. So do you think there's any possibility that he could be an interim until the end of the season if things go really sour? Well, I don't think you ever say never to anything, but um, I, it seems unlikely. It seems unlikely. Um, 
just because Grant has been out of the, the managerial game full stop for, for quite a long time now. Um, what we do know is what we, what we reported in The Athletic uh, just after the Manchester City game, which is that Chelsea are actively talking about people that could, um, that, that, that could do a better job with this group of players than, than Lampard. Uh, as far as we know, Grant was not one of those people mentioned, but uh, they're, they're talking more in terms of you know, potential longer-term options, people that could be available before the end of the season, could be available at the end of the season. Uh, there's lots of different things being discussed, but uh, I, I would think that particular scenario, if I had to guess, is, that is relatively unlikely. But it is only a guess at this point, because like I said, I haven't looked into the, the, the latest noise around Grant. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's something just to put out there anyway. Um, so we're going to talk about more, you know, what you've basically been saying in the Athletic and and discussing, obviously, Abramovich discussing different options and this and that a bit later. But um, we're going to move on to sort of Lampard now and some of the on-the-pitch decisions he's been making lately. So, Liam, the question that came in as well from one of our followers was, um, what are your thoughts on Lampard basically consistently playing the two number eights role? Um, and it was in sort of this question is directed, you know, with a with a view of someone wanting to find more more about Havertz basically, um, because most fans want to see him play as like a number ten, more forward in in the box sort of thing. You know, we saw his goal against Morecambe where it was a header. He was he was very very forward. You know, I mean, you actually put a tweet out I think saying that you know he's our best attacking, you know, heading, apart from Giroud, our best attacker at heading. So, um, what do you think about Havertz's position at the moment? Do you think he should be playing as a 10? Do you think that um, Lampard should change the formation to accommodate him? Do you think that he should keep playing eight? Or, you know, what do you think? Because, you know, we do cross the ball a lot. And as you said, he is our best attacker at heading that's not named Giroud. So, it's a bit interesting to me personally that he hasn't been playing more forward. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's difficult because I think you look at Havertz's body of work at Leverkusen and his ability to arrive in the box at the right time, in the right position to, to get a scoring chance is arguably what he does best, that kind of moving without the ball. In, funnily enough, in, in a kind of similar way to Lampard it, during his playing career. Um, and so... In order to maximise him, you definitely want to give him as many opportunities to do that as possible, regardless of what his starting position is. I think the difficulty that Lampard has right now and the difficulty that any Chelsea coach would have, um, as, as nice a job as it is to manage uh, a group of players as talented as this, um, there's not necessarily a clean fit between all of them into one system. So uh, we, we know Havertz would like to play as a 10. He said at his, his unveiling press conference, that's the position he, he sees for himself primarily. We know Werner would probably like to play more centrally than, rather than on, off the left. Um, most of Chelsea's wingers, barring Ziyech, would rather play off the left than the right. There, there isn't necessarily a system that accommodates all of those things. Um, and, and, and so I think it's difficult. I, I do think... Generally, um, Havertz has probably looked best as a number 10 this season, although he's had a couple of good games as a number eight. I think if you're going to play him as a number eight, you, you just need the, the midfield balance to be right. So he needs to be the midfielder who is given 
the most license to to go forward and then you really need a midfielder at the base who you know is going to mop up everything there Kante has the ability to do that but it's a bit of an adjustment for him he, he doesn't he hasn't generally played that role um Mount I think is fine playing a little bit a little bit deep not getting into the box as much and just doing more of an all-round number eight job I think he does that pretty well so on paper I think it can work um, but it, it, you just need to make sure you're getting Havertz into those positions where he can be he, he can impact final third because I think if you're not you, you're basically getting a very diluted version of what he is and Chelsea certainly didn't sign him to be a diluted version of, of the player they saw at Leverkusen yeah, I think that's a perfect answer, really. You know, something you mentioned was like, there's not really like a, a perfect system, is there? People want to play different positions. You know, it's very hard for Lampard. You know, it's easy for us to say as fans, I oh, would like him here, we'd like him there. But Lampard's got to try and please as many players as he can and try and fit everyone in the best spots. So, you know, it's hard to do that. If, if Havertz plays as a 10, you know, what's our best pivot right now? We don't really have a, a destroyer in, in DM, you know, that can that can sort of mop things up. We have Kante, but you know, what pivot do you play right now? If you play Havertz 10, do you play Mount deeper with Kante? You know, Mount has played deeper for England, but, you know, like, what do you do? There's so many interesting choices there. So, um, I think that's a debate that, that can be continued at another time. So, very, very good answer there from Liam about Havertz in the 10 position and in the 8 position. So, um, yeah, we're going to move off Havertz now and uh, Lampard and more about um, the transfer window. So, various people have asked us, Liam, what do you think Chelsea's plans are for um, Mark Gerhitz, um Saar and Tamori, who out of those three um, will be sort of, who will stay, who will loan and who will be sold, you reckon? So we're talking about next summer? Yeah, um, so next summer obviously for Saar and then maybe Tamori for this window. Yeah, so I mean at the, at the moment, my colleague Simon Johnson has been doing a lot more of the reporting around Tamori's situation and the latest we're hearing is that well, clearly Lampard has been open about the fact that um, that there will be a loan for him this month. We just don't know where yet. But Simon has also reported that Tamori is open to a permanent move away from Chelsea, which I can completely understand given the way the last sort of six months have gone for him. Um, and we, you know, we've 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 tried to get to the bottom of what exactly it is that has made him fall so far. To the to the bottom of, of Lampard's centre back pecking order, and we, we haven't been able to find out the, the full story there. Maybe we will at some point, uh, but it's it, it's a real shame as far as Tamori's concerned. I think at this point in time, it looks like at the very least his short to medium term future is is away from Chelsea. Um, we'll we'll have to see what happens. You know, the irony is that after Lampard giving him his chance at Chelsea, his his best hope of a of a Chelsea future might be if Lampard leaves and the new coach comes in and reassesses things and, and looks on him a little bit more favourably. Um, the other two names you mentioned, Malangsar, um, I haven't really heard a lot about him in terms of Chelsea's plan at this point. I don't. He's not made a ton of appearances for Porto. I know. I know he played a bit for them in the Champions League group stage. But I don't get the impression that he's he's playing every single week there. Um, I think I think he was a he was a kind of low cost development project. Someone they saw who had a who had a pretty high upside, 
Um, but I'm not sure they, they acquired him with like a cast iron pathway into the first team squad. I think he's one of those players that will go into the loan system and, and, and if he kicks on at Porto and then, and then maybe maybe somewhere else next year, then he can put himself into a position where you know he, he's in that conversation. We do know that Chelsea more broadly uh, would value a left-sided centre-back. So I can understand why fans are talking about him. Um, but I, I don't think he's, he's necessarily on the, on the radar just yet. And who, who was the other name you mentioned? Oh, I mentioned Mark Gurhey's had quite a good oh, yeah. loan spell yeah. at Swansea. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so Gurhey's been playing really well in the Championship. Um, he, that loan is, I think that loan at the moment is everything that Chelsea hoped it would be for him. Uh, and, and of course, like Saar, he's a, he's a left-sided centre-back, which puts a little bit of a pre- premium on him in terms of his skill set. I, I, my sense at the moment is that I think the ideal scenario would be Swansea get promoted and then he can play with them in the Premier League next year. And, that, and that's the perfect step up in quality for him, for them. There's a lot of trust between Steve Cooper and Neil Barth and Jim Fraser at the head of Chelsea's academy. There are long-standing connections there. Um, and so they, they, they trust him to, to look after Gurhi and manage his progression, similar to, obviously, Conor Gallagher in the second half of last season as well. So um, I'm sure they'll, they'll reassess, depending on where Swansea are and, and what Gurhi people want uh, come next summer. But right now, I'd say probably the, the ideal scenario for, for all parties would be Swansea get promoted and, and he goes up with them. Yeah, I'm very, very excited about Mark Gurhey, to be honest. I think he's really good talent, very good on the ball. And, um, yeah, looking forward to hopefully seeing him at Chelsea next season. So, um, or at least, you know, fighting for a place. Um, so, anyway, we're going to hand over to Dubois now. He's got some more questions about uh, Frank Lampard and also um, some, some, you know, managers and stuff, Liam. So, uh, yeah, Dubois, do you want to take over? Yeah. Uh, so, Liam, the first question uh, comes in from one of our followers. And... This one is, is more of a hypothetical. I think many Chelsea fans would hope that Chelsea's form turns around and obviously things look rosy again like they were a couple of weeks ago. But hypothetically, if, say, Frank Lampard was to be sacked, I know the Athletic, like you mentioned, reported that there were discussions going on already. Um, but would you say that the likelihood is Chelsea would sort of continue with the sort of project manager sort of theme, like we're talking about the Hassan Hootles who took over at Southampton, or Nagelsmann, who at Leipzig showing he's doing a great job? Or would you expect Chelsea to sort of revert back to the instant success sort of managers in that bracket with talking about Allegri or Tuchel? Um, and then there's another part to this question. Um, there was talk in the media that Pochettino was an option for Chelsea before he went to PSG. Do you think that was that was a viable option if he didn't go to PSG? Yeah, so first of all, um, we know for a fact that, that Chelsea really liked Pochettino. Uh, they, they obviously weren't the only top club that, that really liked Pochettino and the fact that he was a free agent, I think, made him, made him the kind of, you know, sword of Damocles that was hanging over not just Lampard, but Oli Gunnar Solskjaer at Man United and, and a few other a few other big jobs, big club jobs around Europe um, because he, he is so widely respected for what he achieved at Tottenham. 
but the, the the fact that he's now taken the PSG job, yeah, I mean, it changes the landscape in a, in a significant way, not just for Chelsea, but for any club, any top club that might be pondering a, a change at, at some point. Um, but Chelsea, Chelsea will back themselves to to attract them, uh, attract a, a top manager and um, to manage this group of players if if they need to. They always have, and and then they'll continue to do that. Um, in terms of the project question, I think if you sack Lampard, particularly if you sack him sooner rather than later, I think it becomes quite difficult as Chelsea to 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 sort of present to the outside world what they've been trying to present for the last year or so. Certainly around that big transfer splurge in the last in the last window, which is that this is a this is a project that is led by a manager. Um, if you if you sack Lampard at, at only a few months after he was on the phone to Kai Havertz and Timo Werner saying, "I've got a three-year plan, guys, come here and be a part of it," I think it's pretty clear that the the only project you can pitch is the Chelsea project, not the Lampard project or the insert manager's name here project. Um, it, it, players will have to be persuaded to come in. Um, to to join the club rather than work for a specific manager because you can't bank on any manager being there for for the duration of your contract. Um, but in terms of the type of manager they'll look for, it's quite difficult to to say at this point. We I can't go into de- detail about specific names they've talked about, but there is a, a fair amount of range um, in the names that have been discussed. Uh, in terms of types of managers, so I, I think they are doing a. There, there is like a sort of proper due diligence. They, they, they are considering all possible options, um, and the sort of good and bad points of all of them. But I, I can see why people would be talking about you know like a lot of the the German coaches that have been mentioned because there there, there does seem to be a club priority, doesn't there? To to try and make sure that Werner and Havertz, Havertz particularly, um, are maximised one way or another going forward. And, and there, there could be a logic to that. But um, yeah, it's, they don't have any, they haven't decided on any one particular name. And there are a pretty wide range of, of coaches being considered. Yeah, and I think especially the important point to mention was the fact that there's drawbacks to many of them and there's positives to many of them as well. So it's not sort of set in stone. And I think um, it is one where time will tell what happens because football and the football industry obviously results change the whole you know picture of everything. You know, and after three four results, we might be in a worse, much worse position, or four results could make us look like we you know the this put us bad form behind us. So I think it's one where Chelsea fans will have to wait and see. Um, but I think it's quite interesting again like Liam mentioned on the Pochettino one um, who again differs opinions in the fan base but it is good to know uh, so the second question it's another another follower who's asked about the situation regarding Lampard and how he's approaching the situation and whether you you think when when so you'd think Roman would decide is enough is enough so in the sense that obviously in the media Frank Lampard's sort of come across as sort of perhaps more calm about it perhaps not pleading but you know making note of the fact he's a project and that he isn't here sort of instant success and to be fair to him he has maintained that stance from the start of the season when when everyone was asking him whether whether Chelsea were title challenges um, and he'd always be quick to dismiss the claims but do you, 
is the the way he's handling in the media would you say that's sort of similar behind the scenes are Chelsea in regards of Lampard is he sort of remaining calm and also when do you think the final cut-off point would be from Roman to decide enough is enough is it a game-by-game basis would you say if we lose to Fulham that sort of could cause Roman to make the decision well I think firstly on Lampard um I think he's he, he's conducted himself really in the only way that he can um, since all of this became a um, a public conversation, or, or that it, since it became known that, that that Chelsea are having these conversations, um, he's he's not shied away from the pressure. Honestly, everything we've heard from from day one is that he knew the pressure was going to be there this season because of the money spent, because the fact that Chelsea weren't operating under a transfer ban anymore. Um, he, he knew that there would be a kind of welcome to the real Chelsea job feel to, to this season and that he would be given much less um, leeway. I, it's been a surprise to me personally how little um, residual good, goodwill seems to have carried over from last year because I'm not, you know, I'm not saying he did an amazing job last season, but he did deliver top four in testing unique circumstances really and 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 got to an FA Cup final, which I know it was a bad look to lose to Arsenal, but if Chelsea had actually won the FA Cup, probably would have been ahead of schedule looking at, at the youth in this squad. Um, so I'm a bit surprised that that hasn't carried over more and that it seems like the first time there's been a bad run. We began hearing um, really solid information um, from 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 you know in and around the club that that these conversations had started. Um, as for as for the time frame, honestly, it's it's impossible to say. I mean that we we did not predict in the story that we ran after the City game when Lampard might be sacked because. You know, it could be a day. It could be. It could be as far away as May. You know, it could be. It, as you said earlier, football is a results um, business, and and that was part of the reason why we waited until the end of the City game because if City had won, if Chelsea had beaten City, um, as well as being you know like a big result that that could have made the story look a little bit silly, it could have actually materially changed the situation and reassured some people at, at the top of the club that maybe things weren't going in the wrong direction after all. Um, so we know things can change very quickly, but the the only thing I can say with confidence or with some degree of confidence is that we've got a lot of evidence from the Abramovich era that once these conversations about alternative managers begin, we te- we, it, it tends to end with the manager leaving. You know, regardless of what the when is, it, it could be could be a few games time that, that that Roman decides to pull the trigger. It could be at the end of the season. But once once these conversations are happening, it only tends to end one way. And I think Lampard knows that he's got an uphill challenge at this point. Um, but he's he's saying all that he can in public. He's going to fight for this job. You know, he he. He knew it was early to take the Chelsea job, but he took it because it was a great job and he loves Chelsea. Um, so he's going to fight for it until the last possible moment. 
Yeah, I totally agree with what you've said there. And I think especially the fact that I guess there's two perspectives to it as well. I um, mean, it's a similar divide in the fan base as well. I think there's there's some who would look to the last season, like you said, and what he achieved last season. And, you know, perhaps see that as maybe a reason for him to buy this time a bit more than, you know, perhaps anyone else would. But then there's on the other side is Chelsea are used to instant success. And, you know, having that winning mentality is something which, you know, Roman isn't really shy to make the most of in, with his hire and fire sort of policy. But again, it's one, um, I think at the end of the day, it's a result-based business. And, you know, who's to, who's to tell what the form is going to hold in the future and what decisions will be made. But anyway, enough of the sort of serious questions in a sense, just before, last couple of questions before handing over back to Pi, so we'll close it out. But um, this one's more of a lighthearted one. And I guess you're more of your opinion, Liam. Um, in terms of the Premier League and the Champions League, obviously the Premier League this season is really open-ended and it's hard to sort of predict where teams are going to finish, especially albeit in, in January as well. So it is not sort of like any other season. But um, who would you say are your favourites then for the Premier League title and the Champions League? Which teams would you, if you're a betting man, put your money on? Well, I, I thought it would be... Um... I think at the start of the season, I predicted Man City would win the league um, purely because I thought Liverpool would have an inevitable emotional drop-off after, after winning the league the way they did last year. And we, I thought we'd begun to see that after they'd actually secured the title at the end of last season. But then City started, the, started this, this season so poorly that I was, um, I was doubting myself immediately. But they looked really good at Stamford Bridge and they've looked pretty pretty good and um, particularly defensively actually for for quite a while now and they're actually nowhere near as far away as you would assume they might be um, given how they started the season so I mean yeah I mean they're four points off I'm just looking at the table now they're four points off Liverpool with two games in hand so I think I I'm happy to stick with my Man City prediction with Liverpool's injuries they're going to be a really good team it's going to be between those two I think they're, they're clearly the two best teams in the league despite Man United's recent run um, but I just think City might be a little bit hungrier uh, after not winning it last year and then the Champions League this is another one that I think could be could be absolutely wide open um, it wasn't if you think back to last year it wasn't really until about a month or two before they played Chelsea, that Bayern emerged as this absolute juggernaut and best team in Europe. So it's really bad timing for, for Chelsea from that perspective. Um, but they seem to be stuttering a little bit now. Maybe, maybe there's a bit of a hangover for them from what they achieved last year. I still think if they're, if they're locked in and playing their best, I think they are the best, most cohesive team in Europe. Um, but... City and Liverpool should be right there as well, especially if Pep Guardiola stops overthinking pretty routine uh, Champions League knockout ties. Uh, I, I'm inclined to go with Bayern just because they, they've got the recent pedigree and they've still got all of their key players in, in their primes. Yeah, it's very, very interesting to sort of you know, predict these two. It's, it's hard as well. I mean, I personally think you know it, it will be between Man City and Liverpool. Um, I think United fans are getting gassed too much, but we'll just we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, I think City and Liverpool are definitely the favourites for the Premier League. 
Um, you know, and, and Champions League, I think I agree with you as well. I think, you know, if Bayern at it, I think they win it. But I think, you know, you can have Liverpool up there, you can have City. I don't think Barca are really up there any, anymore at the moment. Um, you know, there's a few others, Juventus, uh, I don't know. I think it, it's definitely between the ones you mentioned. So, um, Liam, anyway, before we, before we um, wrap up the episode, we just want to get like a little bit more info quickly. What is it actually like to sort of do your job? Um, is it, you know, is it exciting? Is it sort of, obviously it's busy, but what, what is sort of the, 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 I guess you could say the sort of normal day for you? What does it involve? Because we spoke to Fabrizio Romano before um, about obviously he does strictly transfer and stuff and meet an agent. So, you know, quickly if you can, we'd like to get sort of a bit of a bit more more information on what it, what is it you actually do day to day. Yeah, so I mean, this is all this has all changed pretty significantly um, since the pandemic, obviously. But I, I did always work from home primarily, uh, aside from going to press conferences and games. Uh, and and the average day, I mean, since I started at the Athletic, I'll have a call with my editor in the morning. We'll kind of plan out. Well, at the start of the week, we'll plan out what we're what we're trying to do for the week. I try to. The aim is to average three pieces. Um, each week or at least a thousand words so a fair bit of work goes into them uh, and then and then sort of checking in every single day to, to to try and make sure we're making progress on things and and aside from that it's it's a lot of messages and phone calls I mean slightly different I think from Fabrizio in that because he's so transfer focused I'm sure a lot more of his his stuff will be you know whatsapping people in football and, and, and agents for for direct information with, with me there's obviously some of that because we're, we're doing news as well but I'm also reaching out to people and, and to clubs about you know interviews and, and, and collaborations on pieces and, and, and things like that so it, it's trying to keep as many plates spinning at any one time as possible because you even while you're working on the short-term stuff you want to try and keep the ball rolling on some of the long, longer term pieces we're working on uh, just to make sure that when you get to two, three weeks down the line, you're not, um, you're not chasing. But it, it's, it's always that balance of, of trying to react to things that are happening um, in the moment, such as Lampard suddenly finding himself under pressure and then longer term things um, that, that, we, that we're kind of planning around certain games or certain points in the schedule. Um, and then, and then, of course, I'll, I'll also try and look up. I mean, I, I do quite a few pieces looking at sort of stats and analytics around Chelsea's performance performances. So I'll, I'll try and see if I can spot any trends there that might be worthy of talking about as well. Yeah, honestly, it sounds so interesting. Honestly, it's really like, yeah, I'm definitely jealous. It sounds great. Um, Honestly, you put a lot of hard work in and yeah, we really appreciate you and the Chelsea fan base. So um, thanks for coming on. And obviously, guys, if you want to have you know more about Liam's views, more stats, more inside info and stuff, then obviously you can go and subscribe to Athletic and um, obviously follow him on Twitter. He does you know post out when he posts things. So um, yeah, really, really great episode today, Liam. Thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to end it out with? Uh, oh, you've asked me for like a Jerry Springer's final thought here. This is a long <laughs> spot. Um, no, I just, uh, I, I'm really intrigued to see the way the next couple of Premier League games go.
go because we know it's you know we know it's a high pressure time for Lampard. He also happens to have pretty much all of his attacking players fit now. For, I think it's pretty much the first time in the season that they've all been fit. Um, so uh, he's got more options than ever, than ever before, but also more decisions to make, and and the decisions are arguably more important and consequential than they've ever been. So I'm, I'm really interested to see what Chelsea's team looks like in the, in the next couple of days, and then of course whether those whether those selections are justified by the performances. Yeah, I'm very interested as well, not only for Fulham, but the next few weeks. I think we've got quite a few difficult games and obviously, you know, we've got Fulham on Saturday now instead of Friday and then we've got Leicester on Tuesday. So that's quite a quick turnaround. So it's going to be interesting to see how the squad and, and Lampard deals with this sort of period we're going to go through. So, um, yeah, very, very interested. So anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Sorry if we didn't answer, get, sorry if we didn't basically get your questions answered by Liam, but we wanted to try and pick the best ones. So, um, yeah, we think we did that and it was um, very, very good. So, yeah, Liam, we enjoyed having you on. Thank you guys for listening and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you.